appreciate that. If you have, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to uh, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And uh, just think about that faith of a mustard seed. And boy, mustard seed is so small. And, uh, and yet that's what Jesus said. If you have faith as of a mustard seed, uh, that you'll be able to do mighty things. And, uh, and I, I'm reminded time and time again of the disciples in the Bible. And, uh, and they'd say all the time, Lord, help our, uh, our unbelief. And uh, boy, that's, that's a prayer we all could pray. There's no doubt about it. And uh, so appreciate that song. Romans chapter number 12. Let me say this before I get into Romans 12 as well. I, I made a note on the top of my message here. Um, March, I should have put it in the bulletin uh, because it's just around the corner, is Missions Month. And you should be getting a letter from me. And uh, we're looking forward to Missions Month. I don't know about you, but I'm always excited about Missions Month. I, uh, I love hearing about different places. Uh, I love hearing about the different works and the different ministries and the different uh, things that people plan on doing. And uh, that's exciting to me. And it's exciting because it's what God commanded us to do. And the honest truth is you and I, we can't go to the Philippines. You and I, we can't go to Asia. We can't go to many of the places around the world. But what we can do is give and pray so that those who are willing to uh, can go and we we may help make that possible uh, because, you know, I know we love missionaries. We think a lot of missionaries, but most places don't. You don't show up in, in Peru as a missionary and say, well, I'm a, I'm a missionary. Okay, well, then this gas tank's on me. You show up at the grocery store, oh, I'm a missionary. Oh, I'll tell you what, why don't you take all the food you need? It doesn't work that way. Uh, and, and so uh, we make it possible that they can live, that they can minister in those places where, frankly, it's just not, uh, it's not feasible or possible in many cases to have a job uh, or be able to work a job. And so uh, it's our responsibility as Christians and our, for our church to be able to reach the world with the gospel through missions. And so uh, that's why I like Missions Month. That's why I'm excited about month of March. And I hope that you're excited about it as well. And uh, we'll look forward to it coming here in the uh, March 6th. We'll start it off. And you should be getting a letter from me here soon uh, describing all of that. So we're looking forward to that. All right, back to tonight. Um, Romans chapter number 12 and verse number uh, 9. And uh, we're going to look at one verse of scripture tonight. And I've entitled the message, Keys to a Holy Life. Keys to a Holy Life. Verses 9 through 21, I've actually already said that chapter 12 starts a new topic, if you will, in the book of Romans. Uh, he covers, before he is covering uh, deep theological truths about salvation, the nation of Israel, the Gentiles, and trying to really help people understand uh, that, that both Jews and Gentiles can and need to be saved. And so he gives us a good picture of that. When he steps into chapter number 12, uh, he starts a whole new topic and he starts a very practical series on how our beliefs ought to infect and ought to change our life and our actions. And so we saw in the first couple of verses, he talks about presenting your bodies. Then he talks about in the, the several uh, verses after that, four down through eight, we looked at last week, uh, where he was talking about the body of, of Christ, the, the local New Testament church, I'll say it that way, uh, that, that we ought to be involved in. And, uh, and as we get down to nine, he almost goes through a list here. As you read through the rest of this chapter, he just gives us 
one thing after another that we are to do. And I probably won't cover each one in a service per se. In one message, uh, I'll probably have several of them. But I think verse 9 is so key to the next several verses that I really want to look at it. And uh, I believe it'll be a help to us this evening. The Bible says in, in Romans 12, 9, it says, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. And let's stop there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for each and every person that's here tonight. And God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you'd speak through me. God, I pray that you would help us as we look at these verses, Father, to, uh, that, that really set the foundation for keys to a holy life. God, I pray that you would help us to live lives that are holy for you and that would be honoring and glorifying to you. God, will be careful to give you the honor and glory for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. As we look at this, uh, this verse, this one verse, uh, as I said, I think this is a key to, to living a holy life. He says there, he says, let love be without dissimulation. Let's just take that phrase and start there. And, uh, and I think in that phrase, we find honest love, honest love. Uh, now, I find it funny uh, because many times in the Bible he'll talk about love and he'll talk about, uh, of course, one verse that comes to mind very often. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind. And, and we think, well, he gives us an object to love. As you look at this, he says, he's, it's kind of generic. He does not give an object that is to be loved, but he gives us a great truth saying, let love be without dissimulation. And as we look at that, I, I started thinking, well, what are some of the objects of that love? Clearly from Scripture. What are some of the things that God has given us that we are to love? And the first and foremost that I thought of is that verse Mark 1230 that I quoted part of it. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. What a great verse and what a, a great idea and thought that let love be without dissimulation. What, what are we to love? Well, we are to love God. Now, God is invisible. And I don't know if you noticed, but you haven't seen God and I haven't seen God. And, and honestly, uh, that does kind of make it uh, harder in our aspect, in our very visual, uh, physical world, because we are loving somebody that we cannot see. That's not an easy task, but yet it's something that God has commanded us to do. Uh, and you think, well, how, how can we love him? One of the ways that you ought to love God is, uh, listen, we can talk with him. You know, I was thinking about our, our prayer life and thinking about prayers and, and how often it is when we go to God in prayer uh, and we ask God for things. Now, it's not wrong to ask God for things. You ought to ask God for things. You ought to go to Him in prayer. Uh, you ought to be uh, dependent upon Him. But listen, if that is the only reason we go to God, there might be a problem. What if you had a kid? What if you had a friend? What if you had an acquaintance and the only time he ever came and knocked on your door said, hey, I need something. Hey, I need something. 
I mean, the first couple of times, oh, okay, okay, yeah, okay. But after a while, you're going to pick up, you know, this guy, he only comes around whenever he needs something. This guy, he's only interested in something because he wants something from me. Do you understand that God doesn't want to just be a provider, though he will provide for us, and though he is content to provide for us, but he wants to establish and have a relationship with us. And so our prayer life uh, should be more than just going to God and requesting things from God, but rather uh, just pouring out our heart to God. You can oftentimes you can go through the psalm, and I enjoy reading the psalms. I, I mix up my Bible reading, and so I'm reading in the Old Testament. I read the bulk of that, uh, the, the, uh, the Old Testament, the bulk of my passage, I follow the plan. But then I always read one psalm, and I always read, read one chapter out of the New Testament as well. And uh, not psalm always, but I read through the the psalm and poetical books, but I'm in psalms right now. And, and as you read through the psalms, there's many times in those psalms that that psalmist is simply pouring out his heart to God saying, hey, I'm compassed about with all kinds of enemies and they're seeking to destroy me. And he's just pouring out his heart to God and saying, hey, this is what is going on in my life. And you say, well, God knows. I know that God knows, but listen, he still likes to hear it from his children and know what's going on in their life. And God's interested in having a relationship. And so he says, hey, uh, let your love be without dissimulation. And one of the things that we ought to love is love God and, and spend time and, and develop a relationship with him and, and talk with him and pour out what is in your heart and pour out what is in your thoughts. You can tell anything to God because he knows all anyways. And there's nothing that's hidden from him. And so you can pour your heart out to God. Not only ought we to love God, but we ought to love his word as well. Listen, if you love God, you're going to love his word. Because it's what he wrote out, he, he gave to us. And uh, I, 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 if, you, if you spend time uh, kind of talking about love, and if you, so if you have a relationship, with somebody. You like to hear from them. You like to know what's going on. You like to communicate. And, and, uh, and so a lot of times that's given in letters. And I, I remember when I went to camp and I worked out there for a summer, uh, two summers actually during camp. And, and uh, as I was out there, uh, I, I'm sure that many camps do this. They, they have letters that would pour in. And as they have letters that pour in, they always do it at lunchtime. They, uh, everyone's sitting there in the cafeteria and they're, they're calling out names. Oh, uh, so-and-so, you got a letter. Oh, so-and-so, you got a letter. And sometimes there'll be letters and, and, and they're like, oh, this is from your mom. And they're, they're, you know, they always embarrass you. They want to try and uh, get your chain while you're there at camp. And so they're calling out. And, and then some of them, uh, a guy will get a letter from a girl. Oh, Oh, this looks like girl's handwriting. Oh, look, it's got a little heart on the back of it. Look at there. And, and they're all embarrassing the guy. And they want to they wanna make him embarrassed. And so they call out his name. But, uh, but sometimes those counselors uh, or the people that would get letters, when they got one that they were interested from somebody, they'd take that letter and, boy, they would read it. I mean, they wouldn't, even, uh, they wouldn't even wait back till they got back to the table to open it up. I mean, they're opening that thing up as they're walking back to the table and, uh, and they want to see uh, what this person had to say to them. And listen, we ought to have a passion for reading the Word of God as if it's God's love letter written from God Himself to us. 
And I know that you read it, and I'm sure that you've read it over, and I'm sure you've read through the Bible. But listen, a passion says, hey, I want to continue to read. Unless you've got the whole thing memorized, which I just happen to know, you probably don't. I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to take a guess here. You probably don't have the whole thing memorized. There's probably portions in there that you would reread and say, well, I didn't see that before. I've read the Bible myself. I've read it through in English. I don't know how many times I've read it through in Spanish. I don't think I got through it in Italian. But, uh, uh, but I'm saying I'll read through it and I'll read through it and things will stand out and be like, I didn't remember that. I didn't know that was in there. And there's, there's, it's not like any other book. We ought to spend time in the Word of God. Why? Because we love God. And he says, hey, uh, let your love be without dissimulation. A simulated love would be carry the Word of God around but never read it. Would be proclaim, well, I'm a Christian, but uh, that's the end of the rope. And, and, and that's just all in words. But listen, we ought to dedicate our time to reading the Word of God. Love for God, love for His Word, love for His church. We talked about that last week. Jesus loves the church. In Ephesians chapter 5, He calls it His bride. And so He's excited about the church. And listen, we ought to love the church. The Bible says it over and over that we are to, uh, not just the church, but also we're to love the brethren. And, it, and we'll find that even in the, uh, the next verse, it says, Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. And so we love one another. And uh, he's talking about those are some of the objects of our love. We're talking about an honest love. But he goes a step further and he says, let love, generic, love for God, love for his word, love for the church, love for the brethren, let this love be without dissimulation. What is dissimulation? Dissimulation is the act of dissembling. Well, that was real helpful. I always heard that you're not supposed to use the word in the definition. But anyways, um, it's, it means a hiding under a false pretense. Concealment by feigning false pretension or hypocrisy. Listen, those things that I just listed, the object that are of our love the Word of God and God Himself and His Word and the church and the brethren, uh, those things, our love for those things ought to be without hypocrisy, without dissimulation, without uh, any feigned false ideas. In other words, it ought to be sincere, it ought to be real, and it should not be something that is, uh, well, we'll use a common term that was um, brought out a couple of years ago, uh, fake not fake love. It ought to be a real love. And he's saying that it ought to be uh, an honest love. You know, I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about the Bible examples, and the first, uh, there's a couple examples that came to mind, but probably one of the greatest ones was that of Judas Iscariot. The Bible says that uh, in Matthew 26, 49, uh, as Judas came to uh, betray Jesus Christ in the garden, and forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And talk about false pretense. That's false pretense right there. There's probably no better example in the Bible than that right there. Now, I'm not casting judgment on all of Judas's life and all of Judas's uh, ministry that he did with Jesus Christ, and uh, we won't get into all of that, but you take that moment. At that time, he planned to, to go into that garden and betray Jesus Christ with a kiss. 
That's hypocrisy. That's a false pretense. And then to salute him and say, Hail Master, and greet him with a kiss was a false pretense. And what I'm saying in our life, that we need to be careful that our love for God and our love for God's Word and our love for God's church and our love for God's brethren should not be with dissimulation. It should not be with a false pretense. It should not be fake. It should be real, genuine love. You say, preacher, you don't know some of the people that I know. Listen, I'm not saying it's easy. God never promised it. Let me tell you this. Do you think it was easy for Jesus to love all of those disciples? Do you think it was easy for Jesus to love Judas Iscariot? Do you think Jesus loved Judas Iscariot? I believe he did. I believe Jesus sincerely loved Judas Iscariot. But it was not reciprocated. And so I think as we look at that, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. It was not easy for Jesus to love people who would uh, betray him and for those that would turn on him. And, and not just Judas Iscariot. There were many, the Bible says, and many uh, walked no more with him. There was more than one occasion on which people would leave Jesus Christ and walk away from his ministry. But I'm simply saying this, that listen, even though people may hurt us and even though people might uh, not do what is right, we have a responsibility to love genuinely and sincerely and you can't take that away and we find that Jesus or the, the Bible here says let love be without dissimulation honest love not just words, but action. We need to choose to love God. We need to choose to love His Word. We need to choose to love His church. And we need to choose to love the brethren. And it's not always easy, but it's required in God's Word. We find honest sincerity. Look with me in the second phrase. He says, abhor that which is evil. Abhor simply means to regard with horror or detestation, to feel excessive repugnance towards something. And basically, that means hate. And that's a strong word. There's no doubt about it. To hate something. And uh, uh, there's some things that I could name that, uh, that we could all agree on tonight that, hey, we hate those things. I mean, they're detestable. And we don't like those things. I mean, we could go on and on about sin of the world, drunkenness, drugs, perversity, murder. You could go on and on about things that are, uh, that, are, that are very damaging to other people's lives and perhaps even to our own that we've experienced in life or we've, we've uh, saw firsthand and we've realized, hey, there are things out there uh, that are not good and we would all agree, hey, that is wickedness. And we don't like that. We could, we could name a whole list. And as I think about that, I think, I thought of this. I couldn't think of a better illustration, but I'll tell you this. A skunk stinks. Does it not? Now, they're, they're kind of pretty creatures, to be honest with you. I like the black and white, and they actually look soft, but man, they stink. I, I, I couldn't get over the stench of them. And, and I tell you what, when you see a skunk we had a skunk out here not too long ago. He was, he was out, um, it was probably a year ago or so, and, and I, I never saw him, but I went looking, but I didn't look real close. I'm like, I'm like looking, you know, out the window and like poking. I'm like, man, I know there's a skunk out there somewhere. I could smell the thing. 
It was bad. And I'm like, man, I hope he's not uh, digging a hole around here to, to move in. We, we were in a church in Oklahoma years ago, and, and uh, we'd pulled in with our, with our trailer, and we were just in the church parking lot. And right beside the church parking lot was a church, uh, a church house, a, a parsonage or whatever it was. And, and we pulled in that parking lot. Man, it stank like skunk. I was like, oh, man. And I, and I had thought about parking my trailer and staying the night, but I decided right then and there, nope, not staying here. We'll go down the road a little bit. And, uh, and, and sure enough, I, when I, I asked somebody at the church, and they said, yeah, they said, we're having a problem. A whole family of skunks moved in underneath the porch of the parsonage. I thought, good Lord, we are not hanging out here. And so skunks stink. Nobody likes skunks. Nobody wants to be around a skunk because it stinks. It's, 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 it's gross. You, it's okay to say, man, I hate the smell of a skunk because it's repugnant. It's gross. Listen, the Bible says here, abhor that which is evil. We would all agree and it would, we would not have a single problem with, with naming a whole bunch of things that we all would agree on drunkenness and I named before uh, murder, perversity, witchcraft, and there's plenty of things that we would say uh, that we hate. But listen, even inward sins, those would be outward sins, even inward sins could be considered evil. And what we have to learn to do is we, we not just hate the outward sins that are visible, that are out there, that are in other people's lives, but we have to learn to hate the inward sins of our own life. And detest them and say, man, that stinks in my life. And I need to get it out. And I need to get rid of it. And when we learn to abhor the things that we have in our own life, we could name a few of those. Unthankful, disobedient, impure thoughts, lack of faith. They're, they're sins that exist within our ranks and within our life. And, and, and we ought to say, man, I want that out of my life. And we ought to strive to clean up our life and get those things out. We have got to learn to abhor or hate that which is evil. It's interesting in Romans chapter 1 because he gives us a progression and we'll not go back over the entire chapter, but he starts in verse 21 and he says, but that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. And they start out as people who know who God is, they're aware of who God is, but they're not thankful and they don't appreciate God and they become vain in their own thoughts. In other words, prideful, lifted up with themselves and full of themselves and thinking, well, I'm something and I'm really good and thinking that they can do everything on their own. But when it ends, the Bible says down there in verse 29 of Romans 1, it says, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers. And it goes on, and if I remember properly, uh, I, verse 30 or maybe 31, it says, and love those things that they do. Boy, they've gone a long way from the Lord. And my point is this, it's, it's, I hope that you're not way over here. But even if you're way over here and you've grown closer to God, drawn closer to the Lord and you've grown in your love towards the Lord Jesus Christ, hey, there's still reason to hate our flesh and hate those things that are here. Because we've got to abhor the, the, the wickedness. And it's easy to 
look out and see wickedness over there. It's easy to look out and see wickedness around us, but hey, we need to look inward and see the wickedness in our life and say, hey, that's what I want to get rid of. That's something that I can do something about. That's something that I can change. That's something that I can ask God to help me with. And those are the things that we need to abhor and hate that which is evil. Sin stinks. And it will, it will foul up your life. You know the old saying, you know what I'm saying. The old saying is, hate the sin but love the sinner. We're not to hate people, obviously. We are to love people. We certainly don't have to love people's sins. We don't have to approve of those things. But even in our own life, uh, the Bible says, let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. We ought to hate evil. The last thing he says there in verse 9, cleave to that which is good. We need to hold on to that which is good. You cannot grasp onto uh, wickedness in your life and hold on to God at the same time. I guess it would be one hand there and one hand there. It's just not physically possible because God says, draw nigh to me. You can never draw nigh to God while you're pulling the world in a, in a cart wagon behind you saying, well, I'm going to try and get closer to God. It's going to slow you down. It's going to hold you back. It's not going to allow you to get as close to God as you need to be to be able to get a hold of God. The word cleave means to grab hold of, to grasp, and to not let go. I... Um, I hate roller coasters. There you go. There's a fact about me. I, I can't stand roller. I never have. Even as a kid, I, uh, I remember probably the first time my mom put me on a roller coaster, and man, I did not know what I was in for. And, and we, it was clicking up that hill. And every click, I, I think they probably had to replace the bar when I was done. I'm pretty sure I left my imprints of my hands on that. My mom said, I, I went up and, and every click, my grasp got a little bit tighter and she was just coaching me through. She said, just breathe. It'll be all right. It's going to be fun. I'm thinking, this ain't fun and I'm not enjoying it. We got to the top and, and man, we went down that first hill and, and I, I don't remember. I mean, it was really quick and it was a long time ago, but she said, she said, I didn't breathe from the time we breached that first hill until that thing came to a stop. And my hands were gripping that bar. You know what I was doing? I was cleaving to that bar for my dear life. I was like, man, I am, I am not coming. I'm, I'm a skinny little uh, puny kid, you know, riding this thing. And it would be easy for me to slip. I, I felt really insecure with just that little bar. I thought, man, I could slide right down off the seat, out the side of the door. It would not be hard for me. I'm a little. And, uh, and so I was grasping that bar like my life depended on it. And, uh, and over the years, I've tried a few more times to ride roller coasters. And I tell you what, every time I make good use of that bar that's there. You know what I do? I cleave onto it like my life depends upon it. You like them? God bless you. You go ride them and have a ball. You can ride once for me because I ain't getting on it. I just don't enjoy them. But I cleave to that bar. You know what God says here? He says, cleave to that which is good. We know that the world 
is not good. Matter of fact, God says in his word in 1 John 2, 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of the life is not of the Father, but of the world. And he's saying, hey, everything that exists in the world is not good. It's not of the Father. So you can just let go of that. But on the flip side of it, he's telling us in Romans 12, 9, he's saying, cleave unto that which is good. Listen, I don't know anything better myself than the Lord Jesus Christ. And we ought to grab hold of God like our life depends upon him and make him the most important thing. In Acts chapter 11 and verse 22 He's giving a few things, and, uh, and one of the things that, that he quotes in this uh, text, he says, then tidings, uh, then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church that was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. And when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. Barnabas was saying, hey, to the early church, hey, listen, man, you're doing good and God is blessing. And listen, you need to grab hold of God and you need to keep a hold of him and don't let go of God. You maintain your focus and maintain your grip on God and don't worry about anything else. Many times we're like the kid holding his parents' hand and the first time, the first sound of an ice cream truck, boop, they let go and man, they are running. They don't care about cars. They don't care about roads. They don't care about danger. All they see is that ice cream truck. And man, they are running to it. And God's saying, hey, I want you to cleave to me that which is good. Hang on to me. I think of an example in life because the world is constantly tempting us. The world is constantly, not just the world, but obviously the devil and, and all that exists out there is constantly trying to draw our attention and cause us to focus away from God and to loosen our grip on God and to distract us with all that is going on. And, and I think of one of probably one of the greatest examples is Daniel when he, when he was taken captive as a, a young person and, and taken into Babylon. And in Babylon, I, I've, I've mentioned this, not, I don't think here, but many times in the past. Think about this. Daniel didn't have his parents there with him. Daniel didn't have his, I'll say it this way, Sunday school teacher or his youth pastor or his pastor there with him. Daniel was all by himself in a foreign country when the foreign country was putting in front of him everything that he was not allowed to eat as a Jew and saying, hey, here's your meals, I want you to eat this. Daniel got concerned about that. And you find in Daniel chapter 1 and verse number 8, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat. What an example Daniel was. You know what Daniel was doing? He was abhorring that which was evil. He was cleaving to that which was good. And he said, listen, I want my life. I'm not talking about my friend's life. I'm not 
talking about my, uh, my other, other people's life. He said, I want my life to be pure. I want my life to be cleaved unto God. I want my life to grab hold of God. No matter what everyone else is doing, no matter what my, com my comrades are doing, no matter what the other uh, ones that were taken captive are doing, I am going to live my life for God. And I'm cleaving to God. What an example to us in 2022 that Daniel would provide such a staunch stand for righteousness. Romans 12.9 says, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Grab hold of God and don't let go. Oh, feel free to let go of the world. Feel free to let go of all the temptations. Feel free to let go of all the distractions. But grab hold of God in your life and hold on to Him. Why? Because I can promise you this, the world will fail you. Other people will let you down in this life. But God will never fail you. And you can trust Him. So grab on, cleave to that which is good. And I can't think of anything better than God himself as good. Clearly, what's written in his word and all the goodness that's provided by God, I think those are keys to a holy life. Let your love be without dissimulation, honest love. Abhor, hate that which is evil. And three, cleave, hold on to that which is good in your life. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet, God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for even just one verse that is so clear, so pertinent, and so important to live a life that is pleasing to you. As you said in Romans 12, 1 and 2, that you beseeched us to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable unto you. And God, you're giving us the ways to do that and the, the things that we need to work on in our life. And God, may our focus and may our attention be turned inward and not outward. And God, I pray that you would help us to have honest love for you, to hate evil, and to hold on to that which is good. God, I pray that you'd bless, encourage, strengthen every believer that's here tonight. And God, I will be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar is open. How's your love? How's your hatred of evil? How's your holding on to that which is good? It's a serious thing that every, every one of us, every one of us, we've got to consider in our lives.